This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. For me, it's partly how you will hook your audience and create a community around your product and service, because you can have your product and service, right? They can have all the features, uh, all the technical features they need to have to be um, attractive. But with a brand, it's how you'll create emotions. It's how you will create self-identification. It's like, I want to be part of the gang, you know? And it's it's a, for us and for me, it's a guidebook for everything we do, uh, everything we create, everything we communicate. I'm like, every time I'm like, is that Pampa? Is that um, are we are we creative enough? Are we are we game changing enough? You know. This was Emmanuel Manan of the Parisian flower studio Pompa. Those of you listening to the show frequently know by now that I love to talk with founders of internationally known brands like Rotten Tomatoes and Evernote, just as much as I like talking with smaller brands that are unknown to many of you, but that I feel are doing something unique in their space or with their brand. Pompa is doing both, as they disrupt the traditional flower business with a splash of color. Once you see their brand and their bouquets, you cannot unsee them. That's what happened to me as I scrolled through my Instagram feed and I stumbled upon the brand. And sure enough, here we are today, chatting with Emmanuel about how to stand out in a crowded space, how to navigate sustainability, and why branding is all about creating self-identification. Welcome to the show, Emmanuel. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great pleasure. You are calling in from Paris and Almost guaranteed, uh, most of my listeners will not be familiar with your brand, um, Pompa, and that is because you are a boutique floral arranging and delivery service in Paris. So not US-based or international, but your Instagram is exploding, and the New York Times has even found you, and now so have I. And I even believe that this is your first solo audio interview in English, which flatters me. <laughs> so this is really cool. Um, I, re I read somewhere that you or your partner, one, one of the two of you said, we are always trying to twist the flower world. That has been old school for a while. So tell us a bit about how Pompa started in 2016, what the inspiration was, and why you and your co-founder thought Paris needed yet another flower store. Yes. Um, well, I'm, I should start by presenting Pompa and telling you a bit what it is exactly, because Precisely, I think we're more than another flower store. Uh, we are a new kind of flower brand englobing a flower shop and a creative studio that is dedicated to companies and brands. Uh, we started out in 2016, as you mentioned. We started as a small online flower shop and really quickly we started working with the coolest and most prestigious brands, artists, events, festivals, etc. And um, I'd say we have a new approach to flowers and the flower industry, 
uh, more modern, more colorful, more eco-friendly also, as much as uh, we have the possibility to be. And um, so concretely, what do we do? We are a B2C and B2B company. Uh, on the B2C side, we are a flower shop. We sell fresh flowers. We have a weekly arrangement available in three sizes. That's it. And we hmm. also deliver dried flowers. And on the B2B side, we are a studio, as I said, and we have three types of services, which are design, gifting, and even workshop animation. So um, basically, when we started out, what we wanted to do first was disrupting the online markets. Uh, at that time, it was dominated by three major competitors that had been there for ages and that were, in our opinion, not really in face with the needs and taste of our generation. Um, they, were, they had been on the market for like, for some of them, 20 years, like they were mm. one of the oldest companies on the internet, like maybe one of the first companies, e-commerce companies. So. Uh, when we were, were developing the business and benchmarking, we had four main observations. One, there was no clear differentiation from a competitor to another. Like they were, if, if you went from one, one competitor to another, they had the same website, same kind of products, same level of services. Um, secondly, their product offering were all built on the same model. Mm -hmm. They all had uh, dozens of different arrangements in different shapes, colors, with various types of flowers. Some were exotic, some were red roses. You know, you, you didn't, it was kind of slow and tedious customer experience. It was, you know, you would arrive on the website and you would be like, oh my God, there are so many different kind of arrangements. I don't know what to choose. And we figured that there was another problem with that, that was stock management issues and high waste potential. Right. So, right. So then the, the third observation that we had uh, that is that there was a big lack of transparency. You didn't really know who makes the arrangements, how are they delivered, who is behind those big platforms, etc. And finally, we figured that there were actually no strong brands. Like there was, yes, there was Interflora, Interflora <laughs> that is mm -hmm. like one of the oldest, it's the oldest service. Uh, it was there before the internet uh, by phone and so on. Um, it's a brand because everyone knows it, but there was no, there was for us, it was missing this um, modern thing about, thing about it mm -hmm. that uh, we, the young generation wanted to identify with, you know? Yeah. So, so we thought, okay, competition, competition is strong in this market. There are already hundreds of florists on the streets. Uh, our value proposition should be, first of all, one weekly arrangement available in three sizes delivered by bicycle. Actually, <laughs> nobody did that at that time. It was really bold to go on the market that way because, well, you know, we, we, we didn't, we didn't want to repeat uh, the same mistakes. For us, it was a kind of mistake to 
propose um, on the internet uh, so many different arrangements, right? So we thought we could do as um, new, um, you know, in restaurants, the new kind of chief, what they do is that they go to the markets and they see what is available at the markets and they come back to the restaurant and they, and they just design one uh, single mm -hmm. uh, menu, you know? Farm to and table, yeah, thought, exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah. thought, so we thought we could do the same with flowers. Um, so that's what we wanted to, the spirit of what we wanted to uh, design. And secondly, we thought, okay, let's do a mobile-friendly web website on, on which you can order your arrangement in three minutes. Um, thirdly, we wanted to have a more humanized and less product-centric approach, uh, be it on the communication or customer support level, you know, when you would... Um, so there, those brands were... Well, those platforms were... A little bit on Instagram, they were starting to be, but everything was so product centric. Like mm. you would see the arrangement that's all on a table in a vase. And what we wanted to bring was um, people, uh, you know, in the way we would communicate around the product. It's on. It's not just about flowers. It's about people who make them, uh, people who uh, people who buy them, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, we wanted to be really close to our customer and be um, at their service. Like at the beginning, we we did. I mean, we still do that. Actually, we do everything we can to deliver an arrangement because it's so important when you want to offer flowers. You're you're putting your heart into it, right? So uh, we would we will do everything in our power to make. Uh, this uh, delivery possible. And um, lastly, uh, what we wanted to do was an emphasis on brand branding with uh, brand codes coming from other disciplines like fashion, for instance. So that's what we, I mean, that was the basic concept. And uh, that's how we launched. Uh, I don't know if it's clear. <laughs> <laughs> it is very clear. You just checked okay. off. You just checked off all of the boxes that that new companies and startups need to check off uh, when they when they launch a business. So this is really really <laughs> great. And I mean, it's music to my ears. You know, when I when I when I said, you know, like, why did you think Paris needed yet another flower store, right? Because it is so well known. You know, the the Parisian flower markets, and it it's it's just it goes hand in hand with it, but everyone is doing the same and you just really looked at every aspect of the business and said how should this be done in 2021 you know like how how should it be what would people really need today and and how can we work with sustainability and how can we bring up a different style and you know talking about your your style, your your actual brand style, um, that's how I found you. I mean, I, I literally think I was just scrolling through Instagram and I found one of your arrangements and then I, I saw the I saw the logo and I saw the colors and I'm like, wow, that's wild. That's different. Um, you know, and that's how I, that's how I literally reached out to you without knowing too much about about the brand. And the more I read, um, the more excited I got um, to have you on and your style, the brand style um, and, and the, the style of the bouquets. It is super eccentric. It's 
loud, it's, it's graphic. And, you know, the New York Times had this article where they said, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the article was, but it basically talked about, you know, in here are 10 cities and, and you know, like the best, you know, yeah. most different flower shops in each one of the cities. And Pompeii is part of it. And when you literally scroll through that article, yours is the only brand that stands out. I mean, you, you, you scroll through it and suddenly, suddenly it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, because it is, it is, it is so loud, right? Um, you can't mistake, you know, your, your bouquets for anyone else's. And so, because they're so distinct. And so I'm wondering, since you are also your co-founder and your creative director um, at Pompa, um, tell us how this unique style came about. I mean, it is very specific. It's very distinct. Right. Well, first of all, thank you for saying all this. You can't really see it, but I have a big smile on my face because <laughs> it's such, you know, it's all my work and all my hearts are into this. And we work so hard to develop this brand and this new kind of product and to innovate and to be singular and one of a kind. I mean, we work a lot on it, but it's also so natural. I think the... Um, our team is made of uh, people from various uh, hor horizons mm -hmm. and uh, they, they, they have been working in different disciplines before. They come from uh, um, architecture, architecture, interior design, um, <laughs> a circus. Um, so it, and my, my co-founder, she comes from uh, the event organizations, right? So we we are all uh, very creative and um, and uh, and I think it's also thank, thanks to that team and this mix of profiles that we are able to create such um, powerful powerful brand. But um, where it came from, um, I think. Well, so I'm the creative director, right? And uh, I co-founded the company with Noeli. And when we um, started working on the project, I, I had already so many mood boards, and I had been thinking about this project for so many years hmm. because I was um, a flower lover, and I was um, also very well. Uh, I, I wanted to create a brand that was my uh, that was my passion also and anyway um, I'm I'm color obsessed and very sensitive to color schemes and harmonies so there's a big work on color associations everything we do is like a research in colors hmm. and another big characteristics of our style is that in every arrangement we do we, we mix a dozen of different uh, flower varieties it gives this wide lush spirit and I think it's a real and that's what we wanted to create it's a real experience to look at our arrangement because mm -hmm. you have so many things to look at you know and I think what we're looking for is what we say in French le truc en plus this extra special something that will twist an arrangement uh, sometimes we put disco balls or feathers, glitter, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, we are playing with flowers as, um, and thank you for saying that. I think, um, it didn't, it has, hasn't been done before. I think mm -hmm. we are exploring creativity in flowers. Mm -hmm. We are. It's your canvas. For... The flowers are your canvas, right? And, and then you, and yes, then you just it's... start. Yeah. Exactly, it's colors and flowers and um, and 
And I like to say that you can actually think of our arrangement a little bit like an outfit. It's a, it's a set of colors that go together. Like if the, like imagine if the stripes on your shirt was matching your shoelace and your hat was matching your belt, etc. We, we like to create a, yeah, a color scheme and, and yeah, the flowers are, a big inspiration we also we we are trying to to find the most uh, singular and always with small details that maybe we are the only one to see but uh, we are trying to you know there are thousands of different flowers and we want we we are trying to to show uh the variety of it and um, we are trying not to use what uh, every florist use actually and has been using for so many years we are trying to show the beauty of flowers with our arrangements and you know i i saw i saw one uh one interview with you in a, in a french um publication i believe it was um where you talked about how one of your bouquets was inspired by a Nike Air Max. <laughs> and I, I'm wondering, so, so your inspiration really comes from, from anywhere. And like, and like you said, it's very close to, to fashion. And you talk about you have an architect on, on the team. And it's really, it's kind of like this, um, you know, multi, you know, multi, you know, art inspired, um, you know, uh, endeavor when, when you start working on your arrangements. Are those moments of inspiration, like a Nike Air Max, are those being shared with your audience? Do, do they actually weave into your storytelling? Or is that more something that happens behind the scenes? I think it depends. I'm, so about the Nike uh, shoe, actually, it's uh, because Nike launched uh, a shoe that was designed by women for women. Mm -hmm. And they contacted us um, to... Um, Oh, how cool! For the launch, for the yeah, uh, we were so proud. <laughs> <laughs> that is for awesome. Yeah, in terms of branding, you know, it's like Nike is. Um, that's it. Uh, that's the holy grail. It can't yeah. get bigger than this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so exactly. you literally, you literally did an actual project for Nike to create to create yeah. arrangements. Yeah, we we uh, we worked in in their in one of their Parisian store. We we made a flower installation, and we were also um, there to uh, for giveaways. Like if you would buy this pair of shoe of Nike shoe, this precise pair pair of uh, shoe, um, you would get a Pompa gift, a mm -hmm. Pompa flower gift. So there was this activation, uh, and also. So uh, they partner with a fashion Instagram magazine, well, fashion magazine that is based on Instagram, and as they asked four artists to create a piece inspired from the shoe. So I was one of the selected artists, and uh, it was so fun to make. And and so yeah, it's everything can be an inspiration because um, because I think. It's again this work on color and texture, and and we are also very we, we come from as as I said, Noeli come from the music industry, the event industry, you know, and I used to work also in that industry when I was in agencies, and 
we love um, music, we love uh, party, we love celebration, and all this kind of uh, we we take inspiration in so many different things, actually, and um, and yeah, and some and we we share that with our community to answer your question. Uh, on Instagram, we share a lot of things. We we show a lot of behind the scenes, you know, and. Uh, uh, at some point, we don't do it that much anymore, but I think I should uh, do that again. At some point, each uh, time we would um, do a, a new uh, weekly arrangement, each week we would, uh, um, we would associate it with the, the music that we like. Mm. So in our newsletter, we have the sound of the week and stuff. And, um, and yeah, and sometimes I can be inspired sometimes i don't know uh, uh we did a 90s inspired uh arrangement uh, mm. with the you know psychedelic colors and so yeah it's i think it's a mix of uh, pop culture and arts visual arts and i think knowing that story knowing that story behind the bouquet is just so exciting and it's so much fun you know to know that there's actual thought being put into it right which is the exact opposite of those you know interflora kind of like huge you know floral you know uh, shops because there is no i mean yes they, they they work together and they're all nice but there's no huge inspiration behind it there's no story behind it and i think that's what that's what that's what creates brands period right when, when there is a story behind it. So I think that that's really exciting. And I love how you started talking a little bit about your background because you come, um, you come from, from, from the agency background. Um, you worked at TBWA, um, which is actually where my wife also worked, but she worked in the LA office. And uh, you worked at all kinds of you know, fantastic agencies. Um, and, and that career actually being, being organized, overseeing projects in the creative field I'm sure that shaped the ability for you to 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 create, but also to run um, Pompa, right? Right, for sure, uh, exactly. Um, I started working in agencies as a project manager after I graduated from business school. So during that time, I I worked with such talented creative directors, communicators, brand strategists. It really allowed me to build myself. Um, a brand culture have a also have a keen eye on a on aesthetics actually and a sense of style and art direction i i was wor working with people who had such an incredible taste and um educated me in that way you know i that's when i started doing mood boards and that's also where i learned how to code css how to use indesign photoshop <laughs> and so on and, you know, I learned by myself because I was actually I was just dreaming to be on their side. I wanted to be the art director or the creative director, but I, I was a project manager and actually it was such a good training. You know, um, when you're a project, I mean, being a project manager gave me this ability of anticipating everything and every problem. Totally. <laughs> Prioritizing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it gave me, yeah, the skills of uh, prioritizing, organizing, working with methodology and excellence because you always, when you work in an agency, um, you have to be very exigent so that your customer, your client is satisfied, you know, and you have to be very um, 
rigorous. I don't know if yeah, it's yeah, 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 rigorous, yeah, natural yeah, English yeah. word, right? Yeah. And um, and yeah, and it helps me every day in my job in in management and also in creative direction. Um, so I I'm so glad I did that in my previous um, professional life. And uh, yeah, when I was uh, in, uh, I, I think it was before I went to TBWA, yeah, I started thinking about uh, this flower project. I, I was passionate about flowers. I used to offer a lot of flowers to my friends, my mom, who was not in Paris. She was in another city. So I experienced a lot those websites we were talking about yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when I met, when I was in um, one of the first agencies I worked at, I met Noeli, my co-founder. Uh, we were um, together working on a on a music festival, and uh, we actually ran into each other a few years later, and we started talking, and and we figured we both wanted to launch a product in the flower industry. <laughs> A project, sorry, mm -hmm. in the flower industry, and um, and that's when um, I decided to stop my. Well, I um, I went. I took this job at TBWA because I I thought I could um, still learn and um, you know have some money, uh, save some money, so I could start my business. Right. And uh, then I yeah I. I decided to quit and to launch Pompa because we had this idea and we believed in it so much that I I told myself, okay, we, we only live once. Uh, you have this idea, just go for it and uh, go express your creativity because, yeah, being a project manager was great, but at some point I just wanted to be on the creative side and express myself, you know. <laughs> well, and being a project manager, so, it, it's stressful, but you don't see the rewards as much, right? Now it is stressful, but you actually see the rewards, right? Like you create your own journey, which is which is just amazing. And that's the, that's the beauty yeah. of entrepreneurship, right? Um, I, I think it's, I think it's really interesting, um, that you actually quit your job before you really started the project. I mean, you always thought about it, but to me, this is so important. Um, I, I did, I did things like, like, you know, like that in my life where I basically had to completely quit something and have this risk, this huge risk of like, well, what if it doesn't work out? What, what if the next thing, but because you have that, that fire behind you of, okay, I only have that many months to go, you know, financially, I, I, this really needs to work out. I'm putting money in, I put all my energy in. I think you have so much more of a drive, um, you know, then, then if you do two things at the same time, you know, you still have your day job, you start working on it at night, like it's a very, very different thing. So um, it's cool. It's cool to hear that. Um, let's, let's move over to, to social media, because that's, that's a huge part of, of, of in my eyes, I, I believe, but I'm not sure, <laughs> I believe that um, it's, that's a huge, that's a huge um, part of the success of Pompeii. You have over 73,000 followers on Instagram, which is huge. I mean, for, for any US-based consumer brand, but for you know a small brand from, from Paris that is that is working very regionally um, this is really really remarkable um, obviously as you said you know you you, you launched digital first um, but how did it get there I mean how did you how, you know how, how did it explode that much and and what did you learn from it like what are some secrets you can share of like how you guys actually pulled off you know your Instagram following 
Yeah, well, it's one of the things we are so proud about is that we gained each of these followers organically. Yeah. We never acquired any follower base or never used any bots. And I think it's, uh, I, I'm so glad we did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, third of, one third of our audience is from Paris. Uh, the rest is from diverse cities in France because actually we deliver outside of Paris. Um, we deliver our dried flowers uh, outside of Paris. That's a that's a really long and, bicycle. Uh, that's a really long bicycle ride. <laughs> right, <laughs> and uh, more than more on that later. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, but, uh, I will. I, no, but, uh, I will. I will explain that to you. Um, uh, when we get into that subject, but okay. uh, yeah, we don't deliver in bicycle. <laughs> yes, I had a feeling. Outside of Paris. <laughs> but yeah, um, one third of our audience is from Paris, the rest is from uh, so other cities in France, and actually 25% is from abroad, and 4.5% is from the US. There actually, you go, I'm one I, of the 4.5. When I was... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how did we get there? I think there have been a few levers that I'm going to list, but I think the quality of the content that we are producing, posting is key. Um, we always uh, put a lot of efforts in using our own uh, content and um, we created something that is very eye-catching and it hooks people. So many people tell me about our Instagram grid actually and actually so many times we post our content. Um, anthropology in the US once regrams one of our posts which is oh, really crazy. That's cool. <laughs> You're a small brand from France, from Paris, you know anthropology is so big anyway. Um, there's also tons of people telling us that uh, we put color in their feed and in their everyday life. So mm. I think they just enjoy getting shots of nature and color. And that's also why they follow us. You know, they, they don't necessarily buy from us every week or every month, but they just are so glad to receive this um, positiveness into their everyday life. So that's one part and in terms of actions that helped us grow our community um we did work with influencers but for free though uh they loved our brand and product so much that even big influencers that that are the maximum that we did she had like one million uh followers and uh they were happy to collaborate for free actually because they yeah they love the product and and the concept so that i think that uh, for sure helps us grow the community um and uh we also did some sponsored campaigns campaigns on Facebook and Instagram that were product focused, but I think it naturally generated following because, you know, um, even though it was product focused, um, it, it also works on awareness. So yeah. we gained a little bit of them like this, but um, mostly it was organical, like real organical um, word of mouth. And also, we have had a lot of amazing PR op opportunities that came to us um, also organically, if I can say. Mm -hmm. uh, if I can say it like that, you know, we had the 8 p.m. TV news broadcast in France. The, 
that generated a lot of awareness and a lot of following. Uh, like you mentioned, New York Times. We have been twice in T Magazine of the New York Times, which is crazy uh, mm -hmm. for us. And uh, very soon, when we started the brand, very quickly, we were in uh, Architectural Digest and, and other French TV shows. So I think it really helped us grow the community but we never really you know it it came to us really mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we were so focused on operating the company and um, and uh, just uh, responding to the demand you know we yeah. we we didn't we never really invest that much in communication we develop our content and we shoot everything in house so that's a kind of you know investment but actually yeah the the communication did, did itself that's amazing yeah 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 yeah. it's pr just pr just came to you yeah 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 yeah. no you didn't have a pr agency at that point right it, it just it just all came to you it, it was all and a lot of that was most probably through you being out there on, on social media right and it just started spreading and then you started getting into tv and all of that it's just one thing leads to another exactly and yeah i think there was at the beginning the the first thing was word of mouth. Uh, as Noelia and I came from other uh, networks, other, we used to work in agencies, we other companies, etc. So we knew people from other uh, past yeah. experiences, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think at first the word uh, spread in Paris and each time someone needed flowers, they would say, oh, you should go to Noeli and Emma's projects and uh, you will see Pampa, it's, uh, it's really cool, it's new, it's fresh, whatever. And it started like that. And and yeah, and then I, I can remember that the first influencer who talked about us on, on Instagram, we had like 800 followers. We, we had launched uh, <laughs> one month ago and suddenly it was 10 p.m. And I remember I was going to the market that night and I had to wake up at 3 a.m. And, and I was watching our following base grow and grow like new follower new follower new follower oh, she wow. had just done <laughs> one part uh, out of the blue because she, uh, a friend of hers who knew us talked about us on his facebook page and she uh, reposted it on instagram and we gained 1200 followers in uh, one day that yeah. was amazing for us at the time you know yeah and it's still quite amazing because Today, things changed and it's really difficult to gain a lot of followers um, in one shot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean, uh, things evolve on the Instagram game. <laughs> and I think it's not really the case. It's not really as it was four years ago. But yeah, so it's that uh, mix of um, things that and we are, we have now this incredible community and we want to we want to take time to share more with uh, them. We want to do more. Um, actually, we do, we do a lot of content that is purely visu visual that you look at and, okay, it's nice, 
uh, to watch. But we want to make more tutorials. We want to make more things that are interactive. Uh, so I hope this year we will have some time and some yeah some time actually to to put that into place to get the community more and involved to yeah, yeah, yeah. To and to grow it even more yeah and you you said be, before we we talked about for a second about the delivery method because you know you you pride yourself in, in in the bicycle delivery but on the other hand you also scale you, you you're now in different cities um you know with within within france I do know that sustainability is important, um, you know, to, to the brand, right? You're trying to leave a very small environmental footprint. You're composting green waste, even though you try not to have much of it, because your whole company, the way that you have that um, that one bouquet basically a week, um, it's already all made for that. Um, and then, of course, the deliveries with the bicycle. Um, how do you push sustainability? And, and, you know, talking about scalability, how scalable is that as you expand? Well, it's, your question on scalability is actually super relevant, and I'm I'm, I'm going to explain why. But first, um, I'd like to just introduce, make an introduction on what is sustainability in the flower business. Um, there is a a notion of origin of supply, right? Uh, well, if if you do you work with local growers or not? Um, B, there's a notion of green waste management. Like you said, we compost our waste. Um, uh, what is waste uh, in the floral industry? It's, of course, the flowers you cannot uh, sell, but it's also everything you when, you, when you receive flowers, you have to prepare them, you have to cut them, and there is there are all the parts that don't go in your bouquets or don't pass the quality test um, that go into a bin. And in Paris, actually, there is no um, green waste management for free. So we work with a special company who comes every week and take our oh, wow. waste and compost it. Um, see, in sustainability in the flower industry, there is a notion of del delivery process, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you deliver by truck, by scooter, by bicycle? Uh, there is a notion of durability. Uh, fresh flowers are so ephemeral. Uh, how do you cope with that? And there's also a notion, I think, of well-being of your team and create a safe and uh, a pleasant space to work in. So... As far as origin of supply is concerned, uh, what is small and at that time, 90% of our supplies were super local. Uh, we worked with producers around Paris uh, when the season allowed it. Um, otherwise, it came from Holland or other European countries, but mostly from uh, end of winter until middle of autumn. At, at, at the beginning, we were uh, working with French growers. Uh, but during the first two years, each quarter of, of our business grew by 25%. So oh, nice. at some points, we had so much work, so many orders, that logistics couldn't keep up. Uh, going to the flower market at 3 a.m. Three, time, three times a week <laughs> was not, in this instance, sustainable. No? Right, 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 right. Business-wise, but also on a personal scale. I mean, it was... Uh, oh, it's, it's killing I was, you. Yeah, I was so tired. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and it's also less time to manage your company and to, to create other things than the arrangement. And deliveries from the flower market here are really uncertain. They are expensive and they are 
um, often late and we work on a very tight schedule you know at, every morning at 9 a.m we have dozens of others leaving our studio and at the time um we were doing a lot of events when well before covid yep. <laughs> we had sometimes uh 10 different projects for 10 different brands in 10 different venues in one day it, wow. it was madness so so at some point there was no way we could remain profitable and healthy without working on a proper supply supply chain. And we wanted to work with our local growers, but unfortunately, we didn't manage to create a system uh, where we could be uh, we could have a regular a supply on a regular basis because we are so. Um, we we look so much into quality we want to deliver the freshest flowers as possible to our customers it's like so important for us that we need the flowers to come but to come in our workshop every um two days maximum because we don't want to deliver flowers that have been in our workshop for like uh in five you know five days and they will last yeah. uh three days at our customers, it's uh, no question. So um, we figured we had to start working with the most organized people on the market, and that is Holland. <laughs> uh, they, they, they are really good and they are specialists of flowers for, it's been like that for centuries. And so we have been working with them uh, for two years and a half now, and we have flowers that come from France, Holland and Italy. Uh, they, they, we have buyers in Holland that uh, connects us with the with very good producers from those countries, and we try to be as local as possible, as close to our work to, uh, to our studio as possible. We would love to have our flowers coming from France only, but it's actually impossible. Yeah. It's the scalability you are talk talking about. At some point, you have to make choices. So uh, we just opened, a, actually, we opened a physical shop uh, a few months ago uh, in December. So actually one month ago. And um, in that shop, we will be more flexible and we will have less constraints time constraints so uh, we are go we are aiming at a super local um, supply uh, with flowers being grown by a new generation of growers who who know our constraints and can adapt easily you know but for as far as our website is concerned we we need to have something that is very organized so uh, it's always you know you have to make choices so that you yeah. are um, you do the maximum, but and beyond flower supply, because uh, flower supply is uh, one thing, uh, but it, it's important, of course, but it's not everything. So we are developing an eco-friendly system as a whole. Um, so we sell this one fresh arrangement online to reduce waste. Uh, we uh, when we launched Pompa, we directly started working with Olvo, who's a bicycle de delivery cooperative. They are specialists of urban eco-friendly logistics. And uh, all their career are actually wage-earning employees. employees. So they are not like freelance mm -hmm. who uh, struggle and 
you know, um, it's very important for us that everyone is well paid for their work. And so in Paris, uh, in Paris, our 95% of uh, our deliveries are made through them. Um, and in the rest of France, there's no way for us to do that, unfortunately. So um, when we'll find delivery partners who can gu guarantee a delivery with electric vehicles, we will for sure start working with them. But uh, we're just being patient and wait for the rest of the chain and industry to evolve. So, you know, we for sure, I mean, the deliveries we do outside of Paris are made in the in the in the traditional way right right yeah i we finance the compost of our green waste and uh, also um another way of reducing carbon foot footprint is to work with durable flowers right we we have been we work with fresh flowers but also we work with dried flowers and silk flowers that are seen as very old-fashioned but that for us can be amazing, uh, aesthetically speaking, but mm -hmm. also because we can do rental and amortize their carb carbon footprints um, and use them maybe like 20 times. So it's really interesting. We're, we're trying to innovate in that sense also. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then we we created 10 sustainable jobs and uh, we try to give a correct lifestyle to our employees employees by um, paying them a notch above the rest of the markets and we provide them with pleasant work conditions and good hours you know um, they don't have to go to the market during the night um, they yeah we are trying to be uh, conscious on every side of the company you know yeah so yeah Sorry, that was a very long answer. <laughs> no, no, no. That's um, you know, it, it went into all aspects of, uh, of 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 you know of keeping a brand uh, sustainable and, and and building a business in in a certain way, which is which is fantastic for for everyone to hear. Um, you know, we we talked about Pompa for for you know a good a good forty minutes or so. Um, if you would take the entire brand idea and the entire brand story and what it evokes. And you would you would have to put it into one word, right? Like you know, like big brands, you know, usually you're able to define a brand in one word. You know, for for Coca Cola, they want to be seen as happiness. For Everlane, it's it's transparency. What could it be for for Pompa in in one word? I think that would be colorful, <laughs> uh, without any doubt, because because yeah, colorful is. Um, um, sorry, um, concretely speaking, it's, yeah, it's the use of color, but for me, it conveys so many things beyond yeah. the actual, uh, this actual meaning. It's a, it's a spirit yeah. which conveys joy, emotion, celebration, and, um, optimism. And yeah, and you can see optimism, positivity and positivism is, it's really, and I think it's so important right now in the, you know, in the context we are in, it's our mission. Our mission at Pompa is to to really um, to really change someone's day by bringing joy and color to their everyday life. That's our mission statement. Mm -hmm. So, um, by all means, we are aiming at surprising people, and and I think the color helps. Uh, changing their day and helps them. It's it's like a therapy, you know. It totally <laughs> it's is a therapy through color. 
<laughs> and I think and it's I so think funny. It's so it's so funny that you say that, right? Because really, when I think about how I got in touch with your brand, is because I saw one of your one of your bouquets on Instagram, and I just stopped in my tracks. I'm like, and it it was because it was so colorful, right? And then I went to the site, and it is so overly colorful and joyful, and and you know, and and, and different and fun, and and that's it's so it's so great that that is your brand DNA. You know, like that's really it's your mission, it's your vision. Like that's what you want to provide uh, people with. Um, I think it's fantastic. Now you know. I, th I think this is interesting because you you come from you come from the world of 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 of, of brands, right? We're working in ad agencies, um, you know, and and your co-founder, you know, with with event coordinating and all of that is all very intrinsically about branding. But now that you've been running your own gig for 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 a couple of years now, what does branding mean to you now? Like now that you've actually done it, how, what does it mean? Like how would you describe branding? Um, I would say that um, I think it's absolutely central, especially in B two C. It's it's for me. It's partly how you will hook your audience and create a community around your product and service because you can have your product and service right. They can have all the features, uh, all the technical features they need to have to be um, attractive. But with a brand, it's how you'll create emotions. It's how you will create self-identification. It's like, I want to be part of the gang, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's a, for us and for me, it's a guidebook for everything we do, uh, everything we create, everything we communicate. I'm like, every time I'm like, is that Pompa? Is that um are we are we creative enough are we are we yeah. game changing enough are we you know and um at the end of the day i think it's also very um practically speaking it's it's a way to exist on a highly competitive environment uh flower market is and flower industry so when we started it was very competitive but now uh, so many projects um, arrived on the market since we arrived on the market. Mm -hmm. um, you need to stand out. And uh, for me, branding is, yeah, it's about creating something higher than just a product. It's, um, uh, it's uh, more than something commercial, you know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a, belonging i don't know mm -hmm. no sense, totally but... yeah 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 i i always say you know like it's it's it, you know it's it, it's infusing soul into what otherwise is just a product right and i think people feel that that it has heart and soul um versus you know your competitors exactly. who might just you know yeah those are nice products those are good products there's nothing wrong with them but would you follow them on instagram would you engage with them would you be excited about the product you know it's it's a different it's a different kind of aura that you put around yourself that that attracts people um, which, which I think is wonderful, and that's why I love being in the business of, of branding because I think it's actually very meaningful. It's not at all, you know, something that is just fake. You know, it's it's actually the opposite right. of fake. You know, for the ones that make it, you know, as a brand, like 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 you and your partner. So, it's so interesting to explore how you can create a brand and make it, you know, 
always make it evolve and yeah anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah without you know it, it has no exactly and it and it has to be you have to be repetitive so that people know this is this is truly your brand but you constantly have to innovate right and how do you do those two and i totally agree it's it's super it's super fascinating all right we have to come to an end here we could talk for 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 a long time but um listeners who fell in love with your brand just now how can they get pompai if they're if they're in europe uh, do they only get it in france or do they get it in other places in europe and uh, for those of us in in the you know United States and other places around the globe. Um, where, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, actually, we just launched in Euro in the deliveries in Europe. Uh, so oh, great Europe timing! Union get our dried flowers. Uh, they can go to pompa.co uh, on our website and order. Uh, and um, to follow us, so there's Instagram, of course. Facebook, uh, Pinterest, and um, you can also subscribe to our mailing list um, because uh, this is a good way to get information and new products and stuff like that. Perfect, perfect. And so, for yeah. those of you who heard us talk about Pompa, I just want to mention it is actually spelled P-A-M-P-A, -P -A, so Pampa for you guys, just so you know who to follow. Um, thank you, Emmanuel, for having been on the show. Um, I, I know I know it was not easy for you to go through this in, in perfect English. You did so amazing. We're so appreciative of you of you doing this interview in English, um, it, you know, as, as a second language. It's, it's, really, it's really amazing. And um, thank you for all of your insights and, and for your time. Thank you for having me and uh, giving me this opportunity to speak about Pampa. Absolutely. My pleasure. You know, I really do enjoy bringing this to you every two weeks. It's a lot of organizing and it sucks a good chunk of time out of my schedule and that of others on the team. But hearing these stories is just so inspiring and simply just interesting. And the story of two women set out to bring color into the lives of others in such a fun yet meaningful way reminds me of the beauty of this little podcast of mine. Thank you for being a part of the journey. Please subscribe, rate the show, or even support it while getting on monthly mentorship calls with myself. To do so, head on over to patreon.com slash hittingthemark. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited, as usual, by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.